You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and we are on to the next mailbag episode, the third installment of the off-season mailbag. A perfect, wonderful opportunity for you to ask questions, things about free agents, draft prospects that you want to know a little bit more about. There's plenty of time to learn. We haven't even gotten to the combine yet, and we've got a couple months until the draft and free agency hits. So I'm sure you have plenty of questions, which is exactly why we are answering and hitting on those very specific things. If you ever want to send us a question, you can send it directly into our Facebook page. We do make a posting usually the day of when we record on Thursdays. So be on the lookout for that. But you can also send it to us on social media at Big Blue View. And you can send it to our email account, BigBlueView at gmail.com. Why don't we get right on into these questions we have here, Chris. We have five of them. All of them are great. And the first one is from RK Mensa. And his question is, if the Giants go trade down like a lot of people say they should, which we are a lot of people, we are saying that too, which team do y'all think will be most likely to make that trade with the Giants if the draft happened today? Because free agency hasn't happened yet. And what do you think they give up? I would say one of the most likely teams to make that trade up is the Los Angeles Chargers. They're a little bit further back in that top 10 range. There's been a clear indication that they're not continuing with Phillip Rivers. It is a matter of if they are going to be bringing in a veteran quarterback. But as of right now, and if we're trying to make this trade right now, I would say all signs point to drafting someone young and new, and you can't get beat out by other teams like the Panthers or the Raiders in trading up. So I would say the Chargers are a good option. In terms of what they would be willing to give up, I would be trying to milk them for multiple first-round picks. Um, Swapping picks, a pick next year, and then if you can get an additional first-rounder or turn that into uh, a second-round pick, somewhere in that range I think is a, is a fair deal for a couple-spot move-up. Yeah, I was going to say the Chargers as well because, well, every reason you just mentioned. So I am going to go a slightly different direction. I'm going to tr- try to stay in the top 10 and say the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags could decide to roll with – Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew at quarterback, but you know, I, I'm not sure either one of those are really attractive options. You know, Minshew played better than I think anyone thought he might. Yeah, you know, he was kind of a fun prospect coming out of Washington State. You know, he's got the hair, the headband, he's got all kinds of very unique swagger. But I'm not sure if you want to trust a trust a roster that is 
you, you think is capable of winning now to Gardner Minshew as your franchise quarterback, especially when you have a very attractive draft class with a really strong top four with Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Jordan Love, and Justin Herbert. And as for what you get for that trade, you know, moving back a little bit further, I would ask for both of Jacksonville's first round picks. You know, they have the ninth overall pick, which would keep the Giants inside of the top 10. They also have the Los Angeles Rams pick for the Jalen Ramsey trade, which would be 20th overall. You know, Jacksonville is also underwater with the salary cap. So they might not be able to p- afford to pay two first round picks. So you might be able to get that get those from them. Now, if the Giants could get those two picks and then maybe something else, maybe a third round pick or a future pick, that would that would be gravy. But if the Giants could get those two first round picks, then they might be cooking. The other thing, too, with the Jacksonville Jaguars situation, we're not entirely sure how they feel about Nick Foles at the moment. That is taking up a lot of their cap space right now. So hypothetically, if after free agency, the Giants are still sitting with a decent amount of room and they don't feel like they're going to be making any other moves, there is potential for the Giants being to will- willingly eat a bunch of that that cap space for the Jaguars, which could ultimately include more draft compensation. That's just speculation. It's not really really an ideal situation. But if they try to work out some type of a trade so the Jaguars can move up, I'm sure that will at least be discussed because, like you said, right now they are in a horrible position with their cap situation and trying to clear some stuff out is really ideal for them. I think the other team that needs to be watched and maybe isn't the most obvious one is the Miami Dolphins. And I've been saying this and we've both been saying this, is that if you're getting phone calls from other teams like the Los Angeles Chargers, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, any of those teams, you need to immediately call the Miami Dolphins and let them know, hey, we're getting these phone calls. If you want to trade up and and get uh, Tua or Justin Herbert, you better do it quick because we're about to make a deal with someone else. It really kind of catches them off guard, catch them in a sputter, try and get them in a really difficult situation so they'd be willing to send a lot of picks towards the Giants. It's very similar to what the 49ers and Bears did a couple of years ago in which the Bears moved so they could get Mitchell Trubisky. It's just about not so much tricking them, but trying to play their hand and see if they're willing to risk it. Yeah, if you could get them so they are willing to give up some kind of draft capital, even if it's just to move up one spot and stop another team from getting their guy. Now, this is, of course, assuming that Miami doesn't trade up to second overall or third overall with the Redskins or Lions to get their guy, whether that's Herbert or Tagovailoa. Just giving them that opportunity to just make sure they get their guy and the Giants would still be able to get whoever they're targeting and a little bit extra, you know, just a little bit extra draft capital. That is something they should absolutely do. You know, there's no harm in making that phone call. And if you can get, if you can get more from Jacksonville or the chargers or who knows, maybe even the Raiders, I'm still not quite sure anybody really knows what's going on there. These are all scenarios that the Giants pretty much owe it to themselves to explore. Certainly they do need to explore it and they can become very rich from this situation considering the amount of available quarterbacks 
in this this year's draft class. And also, it is worth acknowledging that maybe some teams want to trade up in the, early on in the second round to take someone like Jordan Love or um, any of the other later mid-round quality quarterbacks. We're going to have to see what happens and if the Giants are willing to even take those phone calls because the Giants have not been overly willing to trade back. We have another trade back question, which we'll be getting to soon. But our next question is from Jason Lick on Instagram. What sides of the ball are the G-men more likely to draft versus free agency? Well, I would say that the clearest is offensive line. It's easier to draft an offensive lineman than it is to spend a ton of money on somebody in free agency. The last time we saw the Giants spend a ton of money on an offensive lineman in free agency was Nate Solder, and that didn't exactly work out situationally for the Giants because he's he's playing under the quality for the value of his contract. The other position I would say to is linebacker. And on the most recent show, if you haven't listened to it already, the first thing we address is that there are not really many available linebackers in free agency worth giving a ton of money to. So linebacker this year is, is, is another one that fits that mold of what sides of the ball are most likely to draft. Yeah. I would say they, the Giants will try to u- try to use both free agency and the draft to address both sides of the ball. Now, the question is where they go with each position in each phase of the offseason. I could see them making a run at Jack Conklin to try to plug that hole at right tackle. Get a guy who has basically already been developed, you know can play at the NFL level, is still reasonably young. And that way you don't have to worry about going through those rookie hiccups, the bumps in the road, all of that stuff with a second-year quarterback back there. If they can't get Jack Conklin, if his price tag is you know above what the Giants want to pay or if he goes somewhere else, maybe he never even hits free agency, we don't know, then I would definitely look, look to the draft. But also just historically, Dave Gettleman has preferred to use free agency to address the offensive line. He That's what he did in Carolina, for the most part, that's what he's done in New York for the most part. Now, I think wide receiver, that will probably be a position that gets drafted just because of the scarcity of decent wideouts in free agency, and there are a ton of them in the draft. Hopefully, linebacker is another position that, again, they will look to in the draft, which is something we're going to be talking about over the next couple questions, I think. And then finally, pass rusher. That I think they might try on that might. I think they should try in free agency and the draft to add real players to that position. Get a veteran and get a young guy with some good upside in the draft. Our next question is from Parent I9 on Instagram. If the Giants pick Isaiah Simmons in the first round, is there a good offensive tackle to be picked in later rounds? And heck, this question's right in the ballpark of you, Chris, because you've been grinding a lot of tape on all of these later round offensive tackles. But one thing I will say before you start to rattle off the real big names to know in this in this realm, I think that right now it's a bit up in the air where some of these tackles lie. There's some draft evaluators that consider guys to be in the top 10 and some other guys that others are deeming to be in the top 10 to be second round quality prospects. So the good thing about this year's tackle class is that it's relatively deep. I wouldn't say that there's a, a huge varying difference between 
the top five or so guys. So realistically, you could get a very, very good tackle in the second round with the with their with their early pick in the second round. Yeah, you know, it, it really depends on how that first round falls, where whether or not a guy like uh, Mekki Becton, who Daniel Jeremiah mocked to the Giants at fourth overall, the Draft Network has him at 21st overall. I wonder if he doesn't drop to the top of the second round. I think the combine will play a big role in that. If the Giants go somewhere else in the first round, I'm looking at Austin Jackson at USC at the top of the second round. He has a lot of these guys have a lot of work to do with their technique and things like that. Austin Jackson, Prince Tega Wanoho, they they have all the athleticism you can ask for. They've got pro-ready frames for the most part. They could both stand to add a little bit of mass, but you know that'll come. They can move. They've got really almost prototypical NFL frames, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, long arms. Then going back maybe to the back end of the third round, the top of the fourth round, depending on, again, how things go. I'm a big fan of Jack Driscoll out of Auburn and Calvin Throckmorton out of Oregon. You know, both of those guys, they are, they have warts as far as their, as far as fitting into the NFL archetype for an offensive tackle, but they get the job done. You know, they kind of remind me a little bit of Justin Pugh, not as good as he was coming out, not nearly as good because obviously he was a first rounder, but, you know, maybe a little bit undersized, but really smart guys, very versatile, can move, they can use the tools they have to make up for maybe not having that prototypical length or the prototypical size. And they also are really tough guys. They will fight a defensive lineman to do whatever they have to to keep their quarterback upright, to make their block and just win that rep or at the very least not lose the rep. Those two guys, Driscoll and Throckmorton, they're two guys I would really like to see the Giants target maybe a little bit later in the draft. And then two other guys that could be in that second round range that are starting to rise from their performances at the Senior Bowl, Josh Jones from Houston and then Ben Barch, the small schooler from St. John's. Both of them could be right there that could have that quality first round talent that some people are saying are in that range, but still need a little bit of developing. This is a very deep tackle class, but like you said, it's a lot of guys too that have the perfect frame, have the right build, but just need to develop and be a little bit more fine-tuned in, in their technique and a number of other things. We're going to transition to two more questions, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Last two questions here on the mailbag, and this one is via email. JB sent us an email asking, I know you said you're not fully there yet when analyzing the draft and some of the players in it, but it seems that Simmons and Becton are becoming early favorite picks. If you had to pick right now, Simmons or Becton in the first round, which position would you prioritize? A massive tackle to protect Jones or a do-it-all linebacker? Lastly, is this the year of the trade down? Will they finally do something a little bit differently? And will judges Patriot influence sway Getty? So why don't we unpack this first question? I'm not entirely sure if Becton is the clear cut offensive tackle for them at four. I think that there needs to be a little bit more digging done on him because like I said, it's a little bit up in the air who is going to be that guy because some people have Becton more as a later first round prospect. Uh, like you said, Daniel Jeremiah really, really liked him as that fourth guy in the first tackle off the board. I'm not entirely sure if I'm so sold on him as that fourth overall guy, but in terms of Simmons, I still think that you prioritize Simmons over any of the tackles because I think Simmons is a bit more clear cut of what you're getting compared to some of these other offensive tackles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am not ready to go to fourth overall with Becton. I still have a lot of work to do on him. And I think I'm going to be holding off on really being firm about him until after the combine. I want to see him on the on field in the on field drills. I want to see him on the same field as Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs and Jedrick Wills and you know maybe a lot of the other guys who we might have as second or third round prospects right now. Ante Becton is just a massive and massively powerful lineman. He and he moves bigger than or he moves better than anyone as big as he is has any right to move. But is that enough to say he should be the guy at fourth overall I'm not there yet maybe I will be but I'm not there yet so almost by default Isaiah Simmons is the guy for me out of those two the second part of this question though addressing whether or not this is the year of the trade down you can't really guarantee that they're going to trade down or not but I would say all signs are pointing to them being in position to do so. We acknowledged that there are a ton of teams that are willing and in positions to make moves for quarterbacks. They're desperately in need of that young franchise piece. Otherwise, they're going to have to wait until next year if they don't get one of those top-tier guys. First-round quarterbacks will make any team willing to move up. It's just a matter of if if the Giants are fielding those calls and if they're willing to trade back and and risk missing out on some players. I think this really is kind of two questions in one. I think this is the year the Giants absolutely should be fielding those questions, or fielding those phone calls, and absolutely should be thinking seriously about trading back. They're in a very good position with a good quarterback class and a number of teams behind them who have already basically signaled that they are in the market for a quarterback. You put out those signals, you let people know that you are open for business. Now, is this the year that they do trade down? I'm not so sure. Unless something magical happens and Chase Young slips to them at four. You know, again, maybe you get those two trades up to uh, second, yeah, 
get those two trades up at second and third overall and quarterbacks go one, two, three, that I think is the absolute best case scenario for the Giants. But if it's between Isaiah Simmons, a tackle, and a trade down, I think trading down is your best chance to maximize the value of the pick. I am not sure if having a rookie head coach who was with the Patriots is enough to convince Dave Gettleman to basically do something he has never done before. He is still the general manager. He is still in charge. And I think he is going to do whatever he thinks is best. And if that means sticking to the board and drafting whatever player he has graded highest, I think that is what's going to happen. Now, if there are multiple guys with the same grade and they're getting a they are getting those phone calls and he sees value there there then i think that's when the trade does happen i also think another thing that does play into this is if someone trades in front of the giants up with the redskins or the lions to put themselves in a position for a quarterback i think that would be a domino effect for other teams to do so we've seen that happen in the past at the minute that somebody does trade up to put themselves in a position to draft their next franchise quarterback, other teams have followed suit. I think a good example is when the Rams traded up to be in position to get Jared Goff, and then the Eagles followed immediately after in trading up so that they could get Carson Wentz. So if other people are willing to move up, that could also very well influence the situation of deciding to to trade back and out of that pick and allow someone to take a quarterback. The final question we have is from Danny1134 on Instagram, and he asks, will the Giants re-sign Marcus Golden or Leonard Williams, who is more valuable for the team? I'm not so sure if they're going to sign either of them, but if I were to pick one of the two, I would probably say Marcus Golden. They have less talent and depth at pass rusher than they do along the defensive line, especially considering Leonard Williams is going to be seeking a very hefty contract despite not really having the production to back it. Yeah, that's where I'm going to go to. If the Giants can get Leonard Williams for today, Ed put his number right around $8 million. Uh, That's still kind of too rich for me considering that Leonard Williams produced less than Olsen despite getting more reps. I would say if the Giants could get Williams for around $5 million, that's not too much of a departure from what they would have been paying a third, the third-round pick had they actually gotten him as a rookie instead of trading that pick for Williams. I think as a number two pass rusher, Golden has more value. He doesn't get pressure as consistently as, as Williams does, but he finishes, which is something Williams just does not do. Pressure is good. Pressure is production. But sacks are better. And I think just if you're going to be paying the same amount of money, I would rather give it to somebody who is at a position you don't have as much depth at and does get those sacks. All right, that is going to be it from us on the third installment of the Mailbag Show here on the Chris and Joe Show. Make sure you go and rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And also follow us on social media at Big Blue View. And you can follow me and Chris at Joe DeLeon and at Raptor MKII.